Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this night for sending your Son to be the reason that we celebrate redemption this season. Lord, we would ask that you break your word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray. Amen. I have to point out that one of the reasons that that song was a beautiful choice, aside from the fact that it fits well into the theme of the message, is that this was a song that they got to sing as part of the Christmas program with Anchor Lutheran. So it's an amazing thing to see them suggest that and be able to sing it together tonight. Over the past couple weeks, we have dug into a series on the reason for the season. And for many of us, it can be very obvious in some ways, but at the same time, we also are given cause to step back and examine why the reason itself is so important. And so our readings have been more akin to something that you might expect to hear during the season of Lent and less during the season of Advent. As we prepare for Christmas, the lights get brighter. Each week we light a new candle on the wreath and the light shines even greater. But at the same time, there is this thread of darkness that is always tied to what the light comes to fight against. And without acknowledging that, we never do justice to the reason that we celebrate this season. And so we began all the way back in Eden with the fall of Adam and Eve, and we have come through the bulk of Israel's history And the Old Testament prophets have painted a rather bleak picture for Israel's future. This covenant that God himself had promised, protected, and eventually loved these people enough to allow some tough consequences, still chose To love them in spite of their sin. All the while, these covenant people pursue a path of their own instead of the one that God has set them upon. In fact, so much so that as we pick up in the prophet Hosea this evening, we've skipped over some of the most graphic and vivid and explicit pictures of unfaithfulness in Scripture. God actually calls this man, Hosea, to actually marry a promiscuous woman. And he does so with great purpose because Hosea loves her in spite of all of her infidelity and adultery. 
And no matter how many times she wanders away in unfaithfulness, he still welcomes her home. And reading each chapter of Hosea, you keep thinking, this has to get better at some point. And instead, it just continues to spiral even deeper into Israel's infidelity. I got wrapped up in the Sons of Anarchy FX TV series. And the whole time you watch this and you think, at some point there's got to be some redemption for this guy. And spoiler alert, there's never a happy ending in those stories. It gets darker and darker and deeper and deeper and deeper. The more we rely upon ourselves to try and dig and fight our way out, the further away from God we get. To the point that even towards the end of Hosea in chapter 13, as we hear tonight, the tide begins to turn a bit and God speaks and says, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O oh death, are your plagues? Where, O oh grave, is your destruction? And these words should sound familiar because we hear them so often when we gather together for a Christian funeral. And we speak them each season as we celebrate Easter when we hear the Apostle Paul echo them to the church in Corinth where he says, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? And then Paul goes one step further and says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's anger burned against his people. He was heartbroken over her promiscuous wandering from one foreign god to another. Yet he never stops loving them in spite of their grievous and grave sins. And instead, he promises redemption and deliverance amongst and amidst some of the most profound brokenness. But our understanding of redemption is skewed by our practice. The way that we understand redemption is the way that we redeem coupons or tickets. And we receive prizes and purchases and some kind of property. However, the concept of a redeemer of the Old Testament wasn't about physical stuff. 
but rather this Redeemer was a balancer of the scales, an executor of justice, and actually, to be very specific in some cases, an avenger of blood. In other words, there was always a sense of this tie that redemption has to blood. But more than that, the Redeemer, this role that we look to, was that of a Savior. That point in the situation where all, everything, anything possible is stacked against you. And you feel like there's no way out. To the point that even Job himself, in his state of abandonment and suffering, cries out and says, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. You see, the only ones who were excited about seeing the Redeemer were the ones being redeemed. To the point that they even had to establish cities of refuge in the Old Testament. Where when these murderers, these manslayers, would be confronted by this kinsman redeemer who was there to claim the blood that had been taken, the only escape that these guys had was to run off into these cities of refuge and never leave them. Because the second that they did, the redeemer could take their life in payment for the one that they had already claimed. Do you see how this works in the reality of our spiritual warfare? That the devil himself has been placed within bounds and he cannot go any further. For if he does, then our Redeemer stands between us and him to be the exactor of justice and the avenger of blood. So what does this have to do with our preparation for Christmas during this season of Advent? The answer is everything. Our Redeemer, Savior, and King comes to us and will come again. In our gospel text from Luke 24, we see this amazing account where these two men are walking along the road on the third day after Jesus dies and is buried. And I love the way that Luke takes a sidestep and says, they looked sad. Well, yes. 
wouldn't you And then the way that Jesus turns to them unrecognized and says, you foolish ones. And then lays out the whole story from the very beginning to the very end. So that they know him in the breaking of the bread and in the presence that he has with his people. The whole of this story is about our redemption and God's love for his people. And it comes to us wrapped in flesh as an infant on Christmas. Or to say it another way, the gospel does not exist outside of flesh. And our reason for the season is that in Christ, every day we breathe is Christmas. Because his gift of redemption never ends. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. So that God always gets the glory, now and forevermore.